the state of the church. There are many word pictures used in the Bible to describe what the church is to be and do. Descriptive, lifelike images that help us to understand the nature and mission of the church. For instance, the church is a body. We picture Christ as the head, and we are all each different parts of the body functioning together under the headship of Christ. The church is a family. We picture our relationship with God as our Father, and each and every one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is a bride. We picture Jesus as the bridegroom and the special intimate relationship we have with Him as His bride. The church is a flock. We picture the Lord as our good shepherd and we are the sheep of His pasture. The church is a vineyard. We picture ourselves as branches abiding in the vine, Jesus, with God the Father as the vine dresser or vintner. The church is a kingdom. We picture Jesus as the king, the ruler over us, his subjects. The church is a temple. We picture God in his holiness and we as his worshipers. The church is a nation. We picture ourselves as special people called out by God himself. The church is a priesthood. We picture the high priest Jesus and we ourselves as priests serving under him. On and on we could go with these word pictures of the church, each one of them giving us just a little different idea of the overall purpose of the church. This morning, as we close out 2018 and prepare for 2019, as we review the past and look forward to the future, I want us to focus on the word picture of the church being a house. Look at these scriptures with me. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 13. You are God's house. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection is going to be thorough and rigorous. Ephesians 2, verses 20 through 22. You're like a building with the apostles and prophets as the foundation, and Christ is the most important stone. Christ is the one who holds the building together and makes it grow into a holy temple for the Lord. And you are a part of that building Christ has built as a place for God's own spirit to live. Hebrews 3, verse 6. Christ is faithful as the Son in charge of God's house. We are His house. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And so the word picture here is that the church is a house or a building that God is constructing through us, that God is urging and using you and me to build Him a place where He Himself can dwell by His Spirit. Now when you stop to think about it, that's a pretty awesome responsibility. 
It's no wonder that Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 3 that we must be careful, skillful carpenters. There must be no cutting corners, no inferior materials, no shoddy workmanship. We must take care to follow God's blueprints exactly. We must spare no cost. We must give it our very best. The state of the church. So what does the Bible say is needed in order to build God's house? The church. Well, as we ponder the state of the church this morning, let's focus here on Colossians 1 and verses 28 and 29. Follow along in your Bible as I read them. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Using these two verses as our backdrop, let me suggest that there are four key components that are necessary in building God's house, the church, here at Springville Naz. The first is a solid foundation. We need a solid foundation. In fact, Colossians 1 and verse 28 begins, He is the one we proclaim. He who? Jesus Christ. (laughs) In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 23, Paul wrote, We preach Christ, period. (laughs) And folks, as simple as that may sound, that's exactly where we must begin in building God's house, the church. This is the foundation for everything we do here at Springville Naz. He is the one that we proclaim. We preach Christ. And as we take a look at the state of the church today, here's where we must begin. Do we have a solid foundation? Earlier in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11, we read, remember, there's only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2.21, Paul put it this way, Christ is the one who holds the building together. And we must never, ever Forget that. Jesus Christ is the foundation, the cornerstone of the church. Now, any builder understands that quality construction begins with a solid foundation. In the parable of the wise and foolish builders, Jesus himself makes this comparison in Luke 6, verses 47 through 49. First, he talks about the wise builder who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. And by comparison, he talks about the foolish builder who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. So what determined the fate of these two men's houses? It was the foundation. One had a deep, rock-solid foundation. The other had no, or at the very most, a very shallow foundation. Again, at Springville Naz, we want to build everything we do and everything we are on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. The sad truth is that there are many churches that are built on other foundations. Let me give you a few examples. I know some churches that are built on the foundation of tradition. 
It becomes more important to perpetuate the past than it does to relate to the present. And everything's about maintaining the traditions. We've always done it that way, and we have to continue to do it that way. Don't you dare touch that. I know some churches that are built on personality. Personality of a pastor, teacher. Personality of a key lay leader or family. What happens when that person leaves or dies? The church dies with it. I know some churches that are built on finances. (laughs) That may sound like a weird one to you, but it's true. I, I know some churches where every decision is preceded by the question, can we afford it? Is that in the budget? (laughs) <laughs> and it's the budget that actually runs the church and everything is subject to money. It's all about finances. I know some churches that are built on the foundation of programs. You know them. They look like they're busy churches. So they, you know, the calendar's full and the people are running here and there and everywhere all week long. <sighs> Their tongue's hanging out because they are so exhausted with all the things that they are asked to do. But don't you dare remove one of those programs because they are sacred cows. I know some churches that are built on the foundation of buildings. It's all about the place they meet. It's all about the grand building. Come see our building. Look at our campus. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, we're millions of dollars in debt, but would you look at our building? And everything's by the building, by the way. Can we afford this? Because we've got to make our mortgage payment next month. And perhaps I could go on and on, but I think you get the point. As Paul said, there's only one foundation. The one already laid, Jesus Christ. And He is the one that we proclaim here at Springville Naz. He is the foundation for everything. He is the cornerstone for all that we are and all that we do as a church. The state of the church, the first key component of building God's house is a solid foundation. Number two is a strong frame. We've got to have a strong frame. Colossians 1 and verse 28 continues, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And so with a solid foundation in place, the next step is the framing, which is anchored to the foundation. You ever seen a house being built? You know how that's done. I always like to watch block buildings go up because it's a real illustration of how this works. They, they anchor the, the rebar, the steel rebar, right into the foundation and that's, that rebar extends as high as the walls are going to go. The blocks are laid around that rebar. The cement is then poured in and everything gets tied together. As it says in, in that passage we just looked at a little while ago, Jesus holds it all together. So what is the framework in building God's house here at Springville? Well, it's what we are admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom to be and do. And what exactly is that? Well, I think the framework is built around two key scriptures. The first is the great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. In fact, let's read these verses out loud together. Would you read them with me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so out of the great commandment, we get these two key principles. First, love the Lord your God. And second, love your neighbor. Now we'll come back to those in just a moment. The second key scripture is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20. And again, I want you to read this one out loud with me as well. Let's read it together. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Three key principles from the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey. And so out of these two key scriptures, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, comes the framework for building God's house here at Springville Now. This is what we are admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom to be and to do. We call it the five-fold purpose of our church. This is what God has called us to be and do. Look at them again with me. To love the Lord your God speaks of the purpose of worship. We are to love, we are to honor God, First and foremost in our lives, in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we think, with every motive of our heart, our entire lives are to be consumed with this idea of everything I am is an act of worship to God. And we are to be His worshipers, first and foremost. Love your neighbor speaks of the purpose of ministry. Ministry. As we are to be reaching out, we are to be loving others as we love ourselves. But even more than that, Jesus called it to a higher level. He said we're to love others as He loved us. And that love is to be expressed in the way that we live our lives each and every day. We are to reach out to those that are around us, whether they are in the family of God or they are out of the family of God. We are to reach out to them and we are to love them. We are to serve them. We are to minister to them. We are to care for them. We are to be there for them. And we are to be God's love to them. Go and make disciples speaks of the purpose of evangelism. Evangelism. Sharing the good news. Reaching the lost for Christ. That happens in our immediate circles around us. That happens even around the world as we are a missions-minded church. Doing all we can to get the good news of Jesus out there. Baptizing them speaks of the purpose of fellowship. Because baptism talks about our connection with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And as we connect with Christ, we then also connect with each other. Because you see, when you're called into a relationship with Christ, you do understand that you also come into a relationship with every other brother and sister in Christ. Do you understand that? See, it's about community, it's about belonging, it's, it's about fellowship, it's, it's we're a part of, of this journey together. We're not to do it alone. That's what the church is all about. And then teaching them to obey is about the purpose of discipleship. Discipleship. Train, learning to become more and more like Christ. Becoming His disciple, sitting at His feet, learning from His Word, walking in His Spirit, obeying everything that He has commanded us to do. 
So worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship, literally everything we do here at Springville Nash should support that fivefold purpose. Worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship provides the framework for building God's house according to the blueprint that He has given us in the Bible. And by keeping all five of these purposes in balance, giving them an equal amount of emphasis and resources, we are then able to be and do everything that God designed the church to be and to do. The state of the church. The second key component of building God's house is a strong frame. Number three, a superior finish. A superior finish. Colossians 1 and verse 28 concludes, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This word mature may also be translated complete, perfect, or my favorite is the word finished. No house is complete without the finish work. Therefore, building on a solid foundation, Jesus Christ, with a strong framework, worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship, our goal is for every person at Springville Naz to become a finished person in Jesus Christ. In other words, our desire is that everyone would grow and mature spiritually, to become more and more and more like Christ in their character and in their behavior. So what's that look like? What does a finished Christ-like person look like? Well, to put it as simply as possible, I think that a finished Christ-like person is one that is growing and maturing in those five purpose areas in his or her life. Let me talk about that for a minute. Taking the purpose of worship. He or she is honoring God, worshiping God. Publicly here on Sundays, privately during their everyday life during the week, everything they do publicly and privately is an expression of worship to God. We are aware of the fact that we need to grow as worshipers. In fact, John 4 tells us God is searching for people who will truly worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we need to be those worshipers. Then there's the area of ministry. He or she is serving and ministering according to their unique and significant shape. Now shape, the acrostic S-H-A-P-E is an acrostic we use here at Springville Nats to talk about your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. Those five areas of your life is how God shapes you into the unique and significant person that you alone are to do what you alone can do as God has called you and purposed you to do. And so you are that person. No one else can be you. <laughs> and, and you serve in that, that area of ministry that God has called. And, and, and you get yourself involved. You get yourself submerged in doing, giving, serving as much as you can according to your shape. In the area of evangelism, he or she is sharing their faith with family and friends and others in their immediate circle of influence as well as being involved in going and sending and praying and giving to missions worldwide. We, we realize that God left us here on this earth for one purpose. That's to lead others to know Jesus. Otherwise, why are we here? <laughs> why doesn't God just zap us and take us to heaven? <laughs> you ever thought about that? That's because his work isn't finished. <laughs> and a great part of that work is evangelism. That we would tell others about the saving grace of Jesus. Then, in the area of fellowship, 
As a family member, he or she is fellowshipping with other Christ followers in the local family of believers, the church connecting in small groups and encouraging others, practicing hospitality with fellow church members. Again, realizing we're not in this journey alone. We are to take this journey together. (laughs) We are to take this journey together. We are meant to be in relationship with each other, just as we are meant to be in relationship with Christ. We need each other. And then in the area of discipleship, he or she is taking advantage of each and every opportunity to read and study and memorize and apply the Bible. In your personal quiet time, in your small group Bible studies, being an active listener like I encourage you to do every Sunday as we are studying together and sharing together here on Sunday mornings in the sermon as we call it. Uh, I want you to be that active listener. I want you to be taking notes. I want you to be interacting. And many of you do with me and I appreciate that so very much. I want to know that we're connecting and that you are getting it. That we're not just giving you information. We are after transformation. And there's a big difference as you grow in your relationship with Christ. Now again, a finished Christ-like person is one who's growing in these five purpose areas in his or her life. And just like the finished work on a house is never really completed. You ever notice that? There's always ongoing repairs and maintenance and improvements to be made. So the finished work in building God's house is never really completed. It is a lifelong process for each and every one of us as Christ's followers. The state of the church, the third component of building God's house, is a superior finish. There's one more, number four, and that is a spirit-filled family. To build God's house into what He wants it to be, there must be a Spirit-filled family. It begins with a solid foundation, Jesus Christ. Next comes a strong frame, the five-fold purpose of worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. Then comes a superior finish, each person becoming more and more Christ-like in his or her character and behavior as they grow and mature in these five purpose areas that we've been talking about. But no matter how well constructed or beautiful a house may be, it isn't a home, and it doesn't really serve its ultimate purpose unless a family lives in it. Isn't that true? And the same is true in God's house. The final key component that is needed is a family. And that's you. That's me. I've been to some of the great cathedrals in Europe. They are wonderfully beautiful buildings. But you know what? They're just monuments. They're just museums. There's no life in them at all. Why? Because there's no people in them. (laughs) There is no thriving, dynamic, spirit-filled family in them. May that never happen here at Springville Naz. Notice again what Paul wrote in Colossians 1 and verse 29. To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He's talking, look at that phrase, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He's talking there, I think, about the power of the Holy Spirit that fills the life of each and every believer. And that is what breathes life into the church. That's why I chose this phrase, a Spirit-filled family. What makes Springville Naz? dynamic and alive as people. 
spirit-filled people who genuinely love the Lord and love each other, a church family that is working together in building God's house so that it is a vibrant and thriving presence in Springville and throughout the world. You are the key to the present and the future of this church. Now, knowing that a spirit-filled family is what makes the difference, let me conclude today's lesson by personally challenging you to make a commitment to grow in each of these five purpose areas in your life in 2019. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? Here's where the pancake hits the griddle. This, this is where we get down to, okay, well, so what? What do I do with all of this that you've been talking about today? Well, here's what you do with it right now. I am going to challenge you to some New Year's resolutions. I challenge you to these commitments in the coming year of 2019. I gave them there in your notes. They'll be up here on the screen as well. I encourage you to actually use those boxes and check them off if you are willing to step up to that particular challenge as we go through it in the new coming year. In the area of worship, the resolution is I will make a commitment to be present each and every Sunday morning I possibly can here at Springville Naz. Now, I know there are things that keep us away. Sometimes we're sick, as several people are this morning. Sometimes we are away traveling, as a number of our people are this morning. (laughs) That happens. That's life. But what I'm saying is when you're here, When you're home, would you join me in making a commitment to be present each and every Sunday morning possibly you can during this coming year? Don't sleep in. Don't give in to the NFL or NASCAR or whatever else it would be that would keep you at home. But be here. Make it a priority to be here. Because if nothing else, we'll never learn how to be worshipers unless we come together to worship as God's people. In the area of ministry, here's the New Year's resolution. I will make a commitment to do my part in giving and serving here at Springville Naz. The fact is, in every church I've ever served in, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And the 80% do less than 20% of the work. That's not the way it's supposed to be, folks. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just saying, let's step up this year. (laughs) Let's get involved this year. Let's dig in. Let's let's give ourselves and say, I'm not going to be content to just be a spectator uh, sitting in the pew, a pew potato, and just take it in, you know? I'm going to get out of the stands and I'm going to get down on the playing field and I'm going to be a participant. I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to give of my resources. I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give with my shape in serving the Lord. Then in the area of evangelism, here's the resolution. I will make a commitment to intentionally pray for and reach out to my family and friends who are lost. I mean, evangelism has to begin right there, I think. We could talk about world missions, and we are a missions-minded church, but I want to bring it home and just get it right down to where we are and just talk about, are we serious about reaching our family and friends for Christ? 
The first place that you could begin is as you head into the new year, you make a list of the people you know that are in your circle of influence, family, friends, neighbors, work associates, schoolmates, others that God brings regularly into your path. Those people you know that do not yet know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior and Lord. You make a list of those people and you put that list up on your mirror or in your Bible or someplace you're going to see it regularly and you begin every day to pray for the salvation of those people. Folks, it's time we get serious about this. Because time's running short. Then in the area of fellowship, here's the uh, resolution. I'll make a commitment to participate in a small group Bible study, a life group, on a weekly basis. Now I'm going to really step on toes on this one because there are only about 20, 25 of us that are involved in in a Bible study during the week. Which means that there's about 40 to 50 of us that aren't involved in any kind of a small group whatsoever. And I believe that it's time to just be honest with you and say that's the next step you need to take. The next step for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow in your relationship with the brothers and sisters that call uh, Springville Naz their church home, the next step is for you to get involved in a weekly Bible study somehow, someplace. And we offer a number of them. I talked to you this morning about a couple of them, the men's study on Wednesday morning that resumes again this Wednesday at 6 a.m., We have the ladies' Bible study at 11 on Wednesdays. We have a group that meets at our house on Thursday nights at 6.30. And we already talked about the 9 a.m. class that's going to take a break for January and begin again anew if we have enough people who are interested in February. I personally think there's a few of you who need to step up and say, I'm willing to host a Bible study in my house. I'm just going to challenge you to that to be praying about that. I think there are some people right here this morning that need to say, I will be a Bible study leader and a host in my home to offer more opportunity for my neighbors, my friends, and for others in the church here to get involved at different times during the week, different places. If you're interested in that, man, would you let me know? Just pray about that, would you? And then in the area of discipleship, the New Year's resolution is I'll make a commitment to have a daily quiet time with God in the Bible and prayer. Well, guess what? We're two days away from the first day of the year, and you made this commitment last year, and it lasted a week or two, and you fell off the wagon. So make the commitment again. You ever missed a meal in your life? So what'd you do? You said, ah... I just must not be meant to eat. I just, I'm not going to eat anymore. I keep missing these stupid meals. I can't believe I miss. No, what do you do? You eat more. Right? You just get back into the eating. Yeah, too much. Well, guess what? You miss a quiet time, you just start again. You just start feeding on the Word of God. You start spending some time in prayer. I mean, at the very least, pick up one of the daily breads back there on the table in the lobby and use it to get you at least focused for a little bit in the Word and in prayer every day. Okay. The state of the church. (laughs) The fifth component in building God's house is a spirit-filled family. 
Using the analogy then of the church being a building or a house, this morning we've identified four key components that are necessary for a healthy growing church. Four ingredients that we simply must have here at Springville Naz. A solid foundation, there's only one, Jesus Christ. A strong frame, the fivefold purpose of worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. A superior finish, each individual person growing in those five purpose areas, pursuing Christ's likeness. And a spirit filled family, each and every one of us doing his or her part, working together to build God's house here in Springville. Now, let me bring the application of this lesson down to a final in your face question. <laughs> What kind of church would Springville Naz be if every person was just like you? Think about that. What kind of church would Springville Naz be if every person was just like you? Well, let's close by reading Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29 out loud together again, this time as it's paraphrased in the message. Would you read it with me? We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just this reminder lesson today, what we're all about, who we are, and what we are to be and do as your church. I pray, God, that as we head into this new year ahead, that we would be courageous enough to take a stand, that we would step up to these commitments, that we would become the Spirit-filled people that You have desired us to be, that we would pursue Christ in a greater way than ever before in our lives, that we would hunger and thirst to know You more, to love You more, that we would be so aware of these five purposes that every day we're evaluating how are we doing when it comes to following You. God, I lift this church up to You. I pray, God, that You would just uh, send Your Holy Spirit in a fresh way upon each and every individual in this coming new year. I pray that this new year would be a year of growth, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about going deep. That we would grow deeper. And as we grow deeper, yeah, we'll grow broader, I believe. And we will grow to be everything that You've desired for us to be. May we be a light, a beacon up on this hill, even across from the school, that we would make a difference in the lives of parents and children and teachers and administrators in the school across the street. That wherever we live in our neighborhoods, whether it's out Balch Park or it's up the hill or it's in uh, Mustang Ranch or it's on Tule River Drive or it's up and down the main street, it's a Sequoia Don, wherever we may live in this town and in this region, may we be the light of Jesus as we love our neighbors and as we love you. 
For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.